Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. You are very, very welcome to our second captain of the Irish Times, New Year's Eve, sporting review of the year. I probably should have shortened that title before I started no, no, blurting it out of my mouth, but that's no. uh, clear enough. Sounds good. A it's warning to start, a warning to all our listeners, mm-hmm. both myself and yourself, I think, um, forgot that Andy Murray had won Wimbledon yeah. when we were speaking about a couple of highlights a week yeah. or so ago. I, even when Ken then reminded me that he was playing Djokovic in the final, I, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. I couldn't remember how Nadal had done. Mm-hmm. Was Federer injured? I didn't know what was going on. So I've been racking my brains to try and think of some non-tennis stories. And I, I think I have a few, okay. a few memories to share. With the okay, well, that, that's I good. I hope, anyway. It was a little scary, that whole Wimbledon thing. <laughs> Did Wimbledon, wasn't that cancelled this year? Yeah, I thought it was rained off. Two-week rain, rain delay. Our football review of the year on Thursday, so Ken will be in for that with Dion Fanning. And Richie Sadler. And a normal football show later on today. So do listen out for that. We'll look ahead to the New Year's Day fixtures and chat about what's been going on over the last few days. But it's myself and Murph here bringing you today's show, today's review with a couple of special guests in very shortly. Murph, I'm going to kick things off straight away by asking Mm -hmm. you, what was the most amazing sporting event you witnessed this year? All Ireland hurling final replay. Clare versus Cork. That's my highlight. And I mean, I've been at a few pretty brilliant all Ireland finals over the last couple of years. It's we. It's been our sing, our our, our signal honour to have uh, watched quite a few brilliant All Ireland hurling finals. You get very excited by the All Ireland hurling final because I I've do. been at a couple with you. I've missed a couple that you've told me about, uh, and you genuinely. I wore did. a tie one year. That's that's you know that's how excited <laughs> I get. Murphy, I do believe I've heard you use the phrase that was the greatest sporting event I've ever been at after the last six All Ireland hurling finals. I'm not entirely sure that it's been the last six. I think 2011 certainly dipped well below the high standards that I've set for this particular fixture. But 2009, 2010 and this year were definitely three of the best sporting events I've ever been at. And uh, we were all a little worried about the... Well, I mean, to be honest, the drawing game was brilliant as well. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, the point in the last minute by Donald Donovan, absolutely, like, extraordinary. I don't think, actually, the drawing game was brilliant. Yeah, no, uh, it was very good. It was very good, say, yeah. Yeah, so it, was, it, it took a while. It was a bit of a slow burn. And then there was just... A, well, Clare was just so much better. 
and Cork somehow clung in there and yeah. almost won it and then you had the dramatic Yeah, it, there was game. a great finish to it. Mm. There was a really, really good finish to it and the atmosphere was very good. But then, see, the replay was on Saturday, 5 o'clock and you're kind of thinking, wow, you know, is what kind of, a, of an effect is that going to have on it? Uh, is it going to be... You know, because you go to game, uh, Saturday evening games in the Championship and oftentimes there, they do just feel very different to Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock or 3.30 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there, w- there was a little bit of a concern about whether it would actually take off in the way that that we would hope, um, but from the first from the first minute, it was just extraordinary. Uh, obviously, Shane O'Donnell, just ridiculous, uh, and it was funny. I had actually met Nicholas in- Nick English, Irish Times. Look, <laughs> Nicholas English, go ahead. Yeah. Um, had met Nicky English. That, yeah, Nicky English insists on being called Nicholas on the big day. Yeah, on the big day. he's wearing day. a tie. I'm wearing a tie. I'm Mr. Murphy. He's Nicholas. You know, it, all the bets are off on our Ireland hurling final day on. Uh, but I, <laughs> I met him before the game and uh, I'd been out of the loop. We were doing the TV at the time and he said, you heard O'Donnell is starting. I said, gee, I hadn't actually heard that. Um, and uh, he said, you know, I think this kid's really special. I think, you know, he could be the difference today. And I was like, Nicky, I mean, I know you're just saying that just to show off that you've heard of this guy, you know. <laughs> Uh, and obviously within 19 minutes I'd realised that you know that Nicky English he knows a thing or two about hurling uh, but I mean funnily enough the actual highlight within the hurling final replay wasn't anything to do with Shane O'Donnell I've spoken of this before but it was the free with, uh, that Anthony Nash came up for with the 12 clearmen in oh, yeah. the goal um, and I spoke at the time about how uh, you could see all of the Clare players retreating en masse into the goal and you know, people are suddenly saying, "What? They're putting everyone basically in in the goal for this free." Nash comes up. The uh, atmosphere is building with every ten yards that he runs. So that by the time he actually even gets to the ball, the atmosphere in the stadium is absolutely amazing. And you've got the twelve clear men in the goal lined up, and uh, it's you know your classic mm-hmm. you know shootout kind of thing. And uh, like if he'd ballooned it ten yards over the bar, it would have been an amazing moment. But just the showdown element of it. He sticks into the roof of that, and I literally thought the place was going to collapse around me. The noise—it was absolutely brilliant. Could I have a look at your right hand just for a second. Yeah. All mm. right, we've got a couple of no, just the top part of it there. Yeah, a couple of knuckles out of place, a few bent fingers. Yeah, yeah. you shook hands with Nicky English. This I time. did. I did. That you looked look like a man who met Nicky English. I Nicholas have, English in All Ireland final. I right? may have lost. My, there's one finger that I don't think I'm, I'm actually going to have to jettison for 2014. There was a lovely postscript I thought to the All Ireland to the replay, and that was the I don't know if you remember the picture of Shane O'Donnell's brother Ushin yeah, watching yeah. the replay in a bar in Israel he's an engineer I think and he was sent there for work just about a week or so before the All-Iron Final he'd been in fact I think he was even at the original game and certainly he was at all the other games in, in the lead up to it when his brother wasn't actually playing for the most part uh, then he's sent over he's sent off he says he loves his job so he had to go and also was happy to go but uh, I remember the photograph of him it was just amazing he's there with his Clare jersey on an uh, empty pint of Guinness in front of him mm tears streaming down his face uh, being comforted by somebody sitting beside him and just you, the unmistakable pride probably mixed with a couple of you know uh, maybe one or two pints of Guinness mm. I don't know if the Guinness was his Murph I can't speak to that but uh, he was emailed by Joe.ie afterwards and just asked a couple of questions about it and he got there was a lovely reply he just says that he wasn't embarrassed to show his emotion and just talked about the huge pride he had in his brother's performance it's just a nice little yeah. end, end game to crazy. the whole thing. yeah yeah crazy absolutely brilliant Malachi Clerken and Dervil O'Rourke are with us in studio to bring us their own highlights of the year. Thanks very much for popping in, folks. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Dervil, you've been 
out injured for a lot of the year. Yeah. Um, and we, the problem with the, these things, you sometimes forget the early part of the year <laughs> when you were running well and you yeah. came forth in the European indoors. But you've been injured for a lot of it. I'm wondering, has that given you a different sort of perspective being out of the usual bubble you're in? Yeah, I feel like I'm definitely a little bit more like an observer this year. I feel like I... Because I did indoors and even indoors before I ran quite well at European Indoors, I was injured. So I did a tiny indoor season, three races, normally I do about 10. So yeah, I've just been watching everything. And even at European Indoors, I ran on the first day and then I had the next two days where I was doing nothing. So uh, yeah, I've been, then I watched the whole outdoor season, watched all of World Champs for the first time since 2002, I think was the last time I would have been able to do that. So uh, yeah, I've been observing. Uh, probably nice to at least watch these events to keep the spirits up. Is it? Has it, has it been a grim year of operation? rehab all those things you watch it and um, you just want to be there so it's a little bit depressing the only thing is the women's hurdles this year had an unbelievably high standard so if you watch and it's a bit slower it's a bit more depressing because you think God could I have done something is it an opportunity that I've missed whereas because the standard was quite high I feel like you know what I would have had to be on the top of my game it lets let it go it's okay you know it's okay to watch it so you know right okay what we're doing here is asking you to give us your favourite live event that you attended and a favourite moment of the year. Uh, and you kind of attended the moment of the year as well. And I think there's, there is a bit of crossover there anyway. The so rules are The rules are strict. very strict yeah. on these sort of programs. They're very, God. very important <laughs> to get Stress this bang on. And don't go off script, Maliki. You've told me what you were going to say. So. <laughs> Dublin against Kerry All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah. That's your the, fa- the best event you attended. Yeah. I think... It was funny. I was thinking about it um, yesterday. Um, I actually almost didn't go... Uh, it was the weekend of the electric picnic and I was at the first two days of the electric picnic and earlier that week I'd been talking to my boss here in the Times and I was going, do you really, really need me for Sunday? (laughs) And he was going, "Uh, well, yeah, but do you not want to go? And I was going, well, you know, it's Sunday of the electric picnic and he he just kind of laughed at me and went, you don't want to go to Dublin Kerry? And I went, no, no, actually, you're right. So uh, You were shamed into going to your... Favorite sporting event, <laughs> exactly. Well, to, uh, in a manner of speaking, but uh, I don't know if I was the only one in the stadium that essentially got up out of a tent that morning and got a bus <laughs> up to Dublin <laughs> and went to it. But it was, um, it was just a, a really incredible day. Just because it was such an open match, because any anything in particular. Because um, I expected Dublin to win it reasonably handily. I didn't really think that uh, Kerry would have enough um, in their legs for them um, and just to to sit and watch Colin Cooper play football mm. is is a privilege like it's just it it was just incredible to watch him just steer the game the way he pleased mm. for the for the first sort of 25 30 minutes um, and I remember just sitting there going, like there was the the little bit he did for the for the first carry goal, where Keno Sullivan and Jer Brennan came out to him, and he had a little pause, a kind of a half hop of the ball, and in that tiny little space, he threw the two guys off. And I actually interviewed Keno Sullivan after the All Ireland and asked him about that moment. And he said, "I was sure we had him." <laughs> I was about to say, "I read yeah. I read Keno Sullivan speaking about yeah. this. I didn't realize that it was speaking and to you." And he said, "He said, he said, the two of us came out, and I was sure we had him." I said, I, I, "I remember thinking, there's no way he can get the ball through that gap." And he threaded this ball into Donica Walsh, James O'Donoghue came running off, Donica Walsh and scored the goal. And it was just that that first half 
was brilliant. It was just, it was everything that that sport can be. And we give out about Gaelic football an awful lot. We talk about the negative side of it an awful lot. And we sometimes you forget how good that sport is. Yeah, and it's, it's so different from your own sport, Derville, where everything's so technical and, and, and planned in yeah. meticulously in so many ways. Is that something you like about team sports like Gaelic football, that actually these just these off-the-cuff bits of genius can occur? Yeah, I do, because if I tried to do something like that in the hurdles, I think it might look a bit <laughs> mental. Um, yeah, I do. It, it's just pure natural gifts mm. at times, you see, and I think ours is so much more practised from years and years. And, you know, I guess in ours, you only really see it in kids where you see if they're naturally gifted. Once you get a bit older than that, it's all practised. So, yeah, it is. And I guess that's why one of, well, I was torn with my moment of the year. I couldn't, I'm totally on the fence. I couldn't make a decision. <laughs> um, and that's what I was kind of talking about, that the rugby, you know, I was at the New mm. Zealand match and the rugby game was kind of, my moment of the year, kind of. Well, that and Rob Heffern. What I do I have it down here as Derville? I don't know. I just, remember the rumors. I'm still panicked now, like I can't commit to anything. <laughs> like, I don't mo- let anyone Derville down. Derville moment is Ireland New Zealand, yeah. That's that, that sort of... But then did I say, did I also you put in a throw- performance of the year? Your, well, then we'll get to all that. We oh can't God. keep the entire conversation right <laughs> okay, now. But I will, what I will say about the, the Dublin <laughs> Kerry game is, bizarrely, Malachi seeing as a, um, a, a dub, uh, that was my low light of the year on a personal <laughs> level because I had a bug or food poisoning or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, which kicked in overnight <laughs> coming into that game. So I couldn't make it. Oh, I was at home. Well, I was at, I was at home watching it, but I was supposed to be going with a friend of mine who didn't seem to understand the gravity of my food poisoning. <laughs> Are you sure you can't make it? <laughs> and even I come up to halfway, it's, you, you, you know, you yeah. second, I've got the ticket. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, no, I come up to halftime. This is it. a non-negotiable yeah, arrangement, unfortunately. Yeah, so I, I couldn't enjoy it quite as much as I probably should have. But and I, the thing about it was, though, that, that if all the game had turned out to be was that first half by Kerry and then they close it out in the second half, I would still have come away remembering that first half as one yeah. of the great moments mm. of the year. But what really makes it for me, and, and I was at the, the All Blacks match as well, and I have to say this came down very close, yeah. a very close second to the other event that, that I was at. Um, Dublin's winning of that game. I mean, this is this, I, I, I almost feel bad about kind of going on about Colin Cooper because, you know, Dublin won the game. Yeah, yeah. and they won they, the All-Ireland. They won the yeah. All-Ireland. They were, two point, they were a point down in the 68th minute. They won by seven points. It was an incredible feat by Dublin, and and it was the the first time I think all year. I I kind of I kind of t- I sort of tipped Dublin at the start of the year to win the All Ireland. I kind of thought that they would get there, but I was never really impressed with them because I I don't know their way of winning games was to sort of see where they were with twenty minutes to go and then send players off the bench to fix whatever problems mm-hmm. that were there. They did it against Kildare. They did it against Meath. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, I, I found it kind of, they mechanical. were a good team. Yeah. A little mechanical, all right. But this, this, the end game, came down to one kick out. Michael Darren McCauley fighting for his life against three players, punching it on to Kevin McManaman. The goal, the place went into orbit. Crazy. And uh, I'll never, I, yeah. yeah, it was a great day. Michael Darren McCauley is one of the great individual stories as well. Having lost his father, a huge man. influence on his life, obviously, and on mm. his football. Um, just just amazing, ending up as footballer of the year. Derville, an event that you both participated in mm. and attended was the European Indoors in yeah. Gothenburg. You mentioned, or we, we've kind of touched on your fourth place finish, yes. but you stayed on after that. Yeah, I stayed on and often um, I race at the end of a week of an outdoor championship and so everything is done and I don't get to see a lot. But I raced on the first day 
I was finished and then I was rooming with Fanula Britton and then she was running the next day in her final and then Kiona Linord had a final as well. So I got to and I snuck into all the press area because obviously security was pretty lax they let me go where I wanted <laughs> and um, I just sat there and I watched it all and um, it was brilliant super to watch because for different reasons you know I knew with Fanula it's that funny thing with people who are champions double European cross country champions she felt like she had so much to prove in that race and I don't know was that more in her head than for anybody else she felt like people didn't think she was a track runner she didn't have the speed she wouldn't be able to switch it up in the last lap and I knew how important it was to her to prove to people she could do it on the track as well she didn't want to just get known so I walked her to the warm-up area, you know, and acted all cool and calm, you know, even though I was going, please God, let this work out for her. And um, then I just sat there watching it and it was amazing because she uh, dipped, had to do a dip. So for a distance runner, to have to do like a sprinter dip yeah. is hilarious. And we had joked in the room, like I was, because like, it was like 3,000 metres and I was like, it always comes down to the dip in those 3,000 metre races, like, you know, it's just like sprint hurdles. And because um, I dipped hard the night before and lost on the dip. So um, Were you giving her tips? Yeah, and then uh, she act- I was messaging her after the Eurocross recently and she was saying, like, it didn't come down to the dip. <laughs> and I was like, who knew? But um, And then with I think with Kirona Linord as well, sometimes you forget about his year because it was so early in the year. He had such a catastrophe in London and to drag himself back from the London Olympics and get that, like, okay, it's a bronze, but it's still a medal. Like, when you retire, you m- most people won't have a lot of those medals. So it was. I thought that was unbelievably important for him and his career to do that and... You know, from what I was watching as well, and I was quite close to the end of the track, and you could see the sheer. It was it was relief that he had put in a performance and dragged himself back. Um, and then afterwards, obviously, he was talking, saying he should have won it. But you know, <laughs> you have those thirty seconds later where you start thinking. I could have done a little bit, but wasn't yeah. Kiernan Leonard who uh, did an inter- interview with RTE yeah. after the Olympics, yeah. and it just looked like a guy who's broken, uh, broken. And yeah. how can you come back from it? Yeah, so it's, that's great. Well, just, he's almost kind of shrugging and saying, you know, this this is obviously not what I'm yeah. supposed yeah. to do with my life. You know, yeah. and, and, and I wanted to walk away. On, I guess yeah. I'm interested in Fanuta Britain's preparation because you said you mm-hmm. mentioned the room you were rooming with her. Mm-hmm. In those, uh, how was that for you observing somebody else and the and the rituals they go through before a big race? Um, Fanula's great because she's very low-key and she's very relaxed. You know, it was funny because Kiana Leonard and Brian Gregan were in the room next to us and we joke about what a different vibe was going on in their room because we reckon they were just telling each other the whole time they looked awesome. <laughs> like, you look awesome, no, you look, you know. And that, like, they're just pumping each other up because they were both medal favourites and we were almost, like, denying that we would have to run. But she is very relaxed and... But then she's, like she's almost like got this killer focus she's so tiny and you know she as well when I come forth I was very aware not to go on about it when I came back to the room because she had to get up the next day you don't want that downer in your room with you so I kept playing like saying to her like oh I don't even care like it's fine like it's grand (laughs) don't worry about it and um you know, tr- really tried not to go on about it and just talk about her race. And then I was joke, kept joking with her, saying the room needed at least one medal, like, and I'd let the team down. So she was relaxed, but you could tell she had a point to prove. And you know, I think when she's in that mode, it's, she's just really impressive lady. I think she's a really, really tough girl. As a matter of interest, how did the did, did you have any observations on the how the press cover these events? Given that that's where you sort of end up watching. Um, I thought it was. I was kind of a little, you know, I get caught up in the emotion of it because I'm emotionally attached to athletics performance. It's too hard for me to separate that. I know what goes into it. And, you know, they're sitting there and it's funny, they're so relaxed. And then the people come across the line and 
then they just write up, type up in their laptops a couple of lines and then they just get on and start watching. I want to run around and be like, this is really good for Fanula and her last laugh was in this time. Did you not see it? And her speed has come on. I know she's worked on it and I wanted them to all be high-fiving me and stuff. But yeah. um, In track and field in particular, I guess it's just it's into the, the, the next grinder. race. Because it's so the next yeah. race, yeah. yeah. So they Relentless write stuff. it up and I guess, you know, now with social media, everything goes out so quickly. It's just a few lines and... You know, I guess the athletes, by the time they get into the mix zone for their quotes, everything, the result has gone out everywhere anyway. So I guess that's the important moment. But I wanted everyone to dwell on it. <laughs> it's all dwell and then we'll move on. But no one wants to. Maliki, you've been dwelling all year on Monaghan's Ulster success. It's your moment of the year. Yeah, it's funny. Like um, <clears throat> when uh, Simon asked me what, what it was, I was kind of going, can I really say... Uh, the Monaghan thing because I yes, I, I sometimes obviously. well I sometimes mm-hmm. feel like I kind of bang on about it a wee bit too much you know me in the track it's uh, okay and the, but the thing is um, again I was thinking about it when you're covering GAA a lot in all other sports that you that you cover like I know not a lot of soccer reporters really have to keep their allegiances that they grew up with under wraps like I, I know yeah. I know a lot of soccer reporters like grew up really mad Man United fans but like if the amount of people who follow them on Twitter knew who <laughs> they really supported back when they were yeah, kids yeah. like there'd be war so but GA is a wee bit different because we all come from somewhere and um you have to be neutral, of course you have to be. And I, I always joke that it's very easy for me to be neutral because Monaghan never win anything. <laughs> so it's, it's never any problem, you know. I can sit very easily and, uh, you know, they're, they're all, always done by the early August, so it's never a problem. Um, I went up to the Ulster final this year uh, with zero expectations and almost less than zero expectations. And the reason I knew that I had none was that I had gone in 07 and 2010 when they made the Ulster final and been really nervous on the day. <laughs> I'd you know, kind of gone up there, watched one game with my brother, watched another game in the press box and swore that I'd never do that again. And was kind of going... But this year I went up absolutely going, well, Sir Donegal are going to win this. This is There's no, you know... There's nothing to be in, in the least bit worried about. And it just turned out they burst from the traps. They were... Four points up, five points up. Uh, they just completely did to Donegal what Donegal had done to teams last year. And um, it was funny. I remember the the night, the night in Monaghan Town, um, I remember uh, talking to people and, and we were all kind of going, well, when did you know? Well, when did you know? <laughs> and I was, I was saying, well, I kind of suspected when they stuck Michael Murphy on the edge of the square that that was their only, that was their only tactic. So I thought we were kind of getting there then. And I was talking to a friend of mine from down the country later in the week and I was saying, I was telling him this, that there was this when, when did you know conversation going on. And he said, well... I was watching it, and if you're not from Monaghan, we all knew at half time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, quite, that was it. quite early on. Donegal yeah. just looked so put out exactly. by by everything. Yeah, totally. Whereas <laughs> whereas we were all kind of going, oh, I'm not not sure about. How this, was that sure. night? When, when was what age were you the last time Monaghan? Nine. Nine. I was nine. It was <laughs> so it was yeah. 1988, and and actually I don't remember it. This, this is terrible because yeah. we were talking about right. it exactly on the on that night. Do you remember 88? And I actually don't. I don't have a memory of it. I have a memory actually of 85 when they won it, but I don't remember 88. Um, that night in Monaghan Town was 
It was really, really special. Um, by complete fluke and coincidence, there was a country music festival on up there that Amazing. weekend. And so there was a stage set up in the middle of the diamond in the <laughs> town. And like, there is never a stage there. Like in, in my memory yeah. of that town, there has never been a stage there. So it just so happened there was a stage set up for the team to walk out on <laughs> at like 11 o'clock at night. And it was so kind of ramshackle because like they just kind of walked out on stage. There was no big light on them. There was no See, microphone for them. The great thing about about supporting, you know, a smaller county yeah. like that or a county less used to successes, that the first time you win something like totally. that, it's total chaos. Utter no one chaos. has a clue what to do. Chaos. I remember like Goller won the Ireland in 1998. The whole thing... It, uh, in tune for that year, for that the, the Monday night after they came back, was a total jam because nobody really knows what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure in Kerry they've an idea. Of oh how yeah, to plan these. Oh, so that's what we were I saying. Mean, we were saying, Jesus, you'd think they'd have a microphone up there. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> if this was Oma now, the Tyrone last yeah, day yeah. have a microphone. You know, yeah, see, that's, but yeah, we, 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 we microphones, yeah. and then before you know it, there's but it you know really, Garda barriers, and you don't want any of that. Yeah, it was brilliantly just natural, really, totally, yeah. totally natural thing, and completely, completely unexpected. And um, it was great. It, it was I, I, because I, I was kind of going. Will I make that my moment? It, I've no choice. It was my my sporting highlight of the year. Derville, the yeah. Ireland New Zealand game. Yeah, just in terms of, um, I think it was a really big moment in sport this year. And I think kind of, I wasn't nervous about that match. And I love going to row because I'd watched the Australia match the week before and stand, mm. and I thought, I think I was just hoping it wouldn't be awful. Um, I don't think my expectations were that high and that's not in a bad way just how they played the week before and I didn't even have tickets I ended up getting a, a Viva asked me to come and do a gig for them and same thing I was like oh, grand like I'll just come along and <laughs> chat away about it and hopefully you know they put in a little bit of a performance but I think it's how they came out and they just started to dominate and uh, I was in the studio with Dave Wallace and Nick Williams and they were just in shock I think you know like Nobody expected it. And I think the way they played their rugby was so impressive. Okay, look, the result didn't come through. But I think that's the thing about sports. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you're really good and you lose. Yeah. And you just have to accept that and not get upset about it. And yeah, no, I loved it. So that was a pretty big one. We ended up talking about that match quite a lot, even coming back to it at later points in the year. Yeah. Just wondering how, if it's possible for a team to get as mentally up for it as they were well physically really but to do that in rugby I guess you have to get mentally up yeah and it's it's just this thing of can you get to that pitch the entire time yeah I wonder about that as well because I know for me personally um, I generally run really fast maybe two to three races a year and the rest of them are way lower percentage because I just physically and mentally can't do it I've tried really really hard and it just never quite works out like that so yeah, I don't know the answer to it. I don't. The All Blacks seem to be able to do that. They seem to be able to play at a higher level consistently. Is that the key? Yeah, you know, I don't, don't what, know. What happens on those moments where you you can't get to the pitch of it, where you, mentally you've, you said sometimes you, you've you thought you're getting there and is there is there a particular, is it just, oh, I, can't, I can't do this this week. It's just I can't quite get there. Well, for me, we always prioritise the championship. So if it's not a championship it's hard for me to put do absolutely everything within my powers because as well it's you know you're running sprint hurdles is always a high chance of injury and there's you know it's just very hard to peak you can't peak all the time so for me when it doesn't happen it's almost like a conscious decision of the rest of the year as a prep and right. this is the big one the interesting point from my own point of view on the rugby and the November internationals and the way I viewed them I was watching the Samoa the Ireland Samoa game at home and I remember do you remember Brian O'Driscoll flicked this pass under yeah. his legs to yeah. Fergus McFadden and Sean yeah. O'Brien went over for a try 
and I thought at that time I've really got to go and see as much of Brian O'Driscoll as possible. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, Matt Williams always says this. I can't, he can't believe yeah. that not everybody in, particularly in Dublin, goes to see a Leinster it's game. True. So I was thinking, right, I'm de- I know I'm going to miss the New Zealand game because I'm away uh, that weekend. So I'm definitely going to the Australia match in between. And I went with that irrational thing that you sometimes get as a supporter where this is definitely going to be one of those good days. Yes. This is because and I, Brian because of, owed you a good day. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. This is going to be one of the last yeah. times I see him play for Ireland. He's, got to, he's really got to perform. Yeah. And what, what, hang on, why are those Aussie guys flying yeah. by him? Laughing at us. But then uh, you get the New Zealand match the following week. It just uh, uh, sort of sums up uh, how... How really, we know absolutely nothing about sport. Well, no, and, and it also sums <laughs> up what's great about sport because the, in a way, looking back at that Australia match, it was the same weekend as the Roy Keane... Um, Martin O'Neill as the manager but the yes, O'Neill the was on the night before so it's all quite a feel good thing and then suddenly it all it goes to goes to pot really but it reminds you of why sport is great because those things happen probably more often than not it doesn't go your team's way and you, you end up coming the way disappointed which is why you can feel as you can feel hmm. uh, Trap always said go to the theatre if you want straightforward entertainment but uh, I mean, we, sports is no guarantees. Yeah, yeah, we were actually at Ireland England in the Six Nations as well, which seems like a million years ago. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, I went to that full of hopes as well. Like I really thought that Ireland were going to do really, really well. England were kind of coming over mm. in the sort of mentality that we always love the English to come over, which is yeah. very confident, mm. very cocky. And it was the, the like if there was a sporting low light, nothing beats. Mayo beating Gola by 17 points in Pierce <laughs> Stadium, but Ireland England was pretty close because there was just nothing to recommend that day at all. Mm. Like yeah. it was, you know, I, there wasn't a try score. Bad atmosphere. You remember Dear. Alan Quinn then wrote about it, about it in the Irish Times and subsequently got abuse from yes. Irish supporters yeah. saying, "Oh well, why should we have to cheer?" It was, it was an interesting, mm. I, I thought, a very interesting piece actually, and quite yeah. quite thought provoking at the time. One thing we haven't mentioned so far is Lance Armstrong. Mm. One of my highlights of the year has been his media performances. Yeah, <laughs> because that was January Savage. this year was Oprah. Was Oprah, the, yeah. the, the, the tell all or the tell some to Oprah Winfrey. Tell a little bit. Tell a little bit that suits the lawyers. Yeah. And don't tell anymore. I, I forgot that that was in January. Weirdly, I was in Abu Dhabi watching that. Um, I was sent over to cover a golf, golf Rory McIlroy's Rory's, Rory's yes. Tiger or Rory's Tiger launch, Rory's Nike launch, and then uh, the that championship. And whatever way the time difference was, you had to be up at like five a.m. to catch uh, Lance and Oprah. Um, and I remember it was all that anybody was talking about mm. the next day mm. in far flung Abu Dhabi. Yeah, like. it was the weirdest thing because I um tweeted about it in a kind of slightly aggressive manner towards Lance just as a clean athlete and I got I think I got about a thousand more followers <laughs> but then I got a load wow. of abuse and I just could you had all these people all these random guys telling me uh, everyone's on drugs and what do so am I what do I know and one guy told me I'd never achieved anything in my life and he's shut up you know I was what is it the Lance wow. effect where you just get these incredibly crazy responses and Mm. believers and that was the other thing I was getting abused because of how much he's done for charity Mm. and I could I couldn't believe the response because out of everything I've ever tweeted I never would have thought that would have gotten a response and I just thought this just is Lance is just drama everything about Lance yeah absolutely and it was later in the year that he did the piece with Emma O'Reilly accompanied by a Daily Mail journalist which is kind of a strange setup um, really uncomfortable to watch it was strange it was obviously what Emma O'Reilly was how she wanted to do it and she's got a right to do that whatever way she wants she was the one one of the ones telling the truth over the years yeah it was very it it seemed to suit Lance a little too much for my liking yeah it did you know and I think it's um that we have to watch very carefully the sort of the creeping 
equivalence about Lance that I that you kind of that you do hear now quite a bit. You know, it's like, well, you know, he, no one else is kind of getting this. Yeah, kind of, you Be- know. Betsy Andrea has been writing about this. That she calls it Lance's what, what tour is it? Oh, it's, it's got some fairly cutting name for yeah. what this actually is, and she's been contacted by him by him a couple of times just before he's about to do a big interview or about oh, yeah, to do yeah, yeah. and then he disappears after <laughs> pr- saying he's going to meet her face to face. All these kind of things. So he's like an evil genius at sport <laughs> this year. Yeah, I think that's how I. Uh, yeah, and he has kind of towered over the year as well. You know, from January right through to even though it was everyone's talked about him. when yeah. it was really. Expensive. Yeah. 2013 he's still a pretty big deal alright ok last question and that's looking forward a little bit 2013 Roy Keane as an assistant manager to the Republic of Ireland we don't nothing that's happened so far has given us any indication because the big games don't start for a few no. months is he going to be a massive success or a total failure um, I don't know that we're ever really going to know uh, whether Roy Keane has been a success or a failure mm. in that job we'll be able to tell whether Martin O'Neill has um, but we're going to have to rely on people in the background to tell us. I was thinking about this. This is the first time in Roy Keane's life that his job actually isn't in the public eye. When he was a player, everything was there. The evidence was there in front of your eyes. When he was a manager, the evidence was there in front of your eyes. For for better or worse, he took responsibility for the results and for how everything went. When he was a TV pundit, everything was there in front of his eyes. This is the first time that he'll be doing a job that he has no wider responsibility for that we can hold him accountable for, but that he's just going to be quietly doing a job in, a, in the background. So I don't know how we're ever going to be able to judge whether it was him. that, <laughs> Like, obviously... If O'Neill is successful, it'll reflect well. well on him. Absolutely, of yeah. course it is. But, like, it's, it's funny, this is the one... Um, on his first day, Martin laid down the, the parameters for, for success are very simple here. Uh, they either qualify for France or they don't. That's yeah. you know half the teams in Europe go to the Euros. If we're not one of them, they've failed. If if we are, they have succeed. Roy Keane, do you like do you like the appointment? Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm fast. I'm, well, I'm a Cork woman. I'm a massive Keane fan, so I love it. Um, I love just seeing him back. I mean, I remember watching that match the Aviva the night before the Australia rugby game, and I hadn't watched a match in a long time. I'm going to be honest. My interest in soccer had waned a lot. So for me, it makes me really interested again. Um, we, yeah, it's very going to be very hard to measure if he's a success or not. Well, I think your point is is, is perfectly made. Uh, if we can measure it so far, it has it's been a success. Yeah, for the FAI and the feel good factor, for getting everybody back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, know, everybody was so excited. And really, what what should have happened, you know, last month is that you know. Or uh, earlier this month is that Roy Keane should have been named the sports personality of, like, <laughs> yeah. as a personality of the year. Roy the Keane, one. Roy, well, yeah, I mean, I think Keane wins campaign. it. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's only right just for his appearance in the Vieira. Well, the Vieira thing, yeah. like the, the oh, press that was covers. so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another highlight of the year. The guys, yeah. just, the guys just box office. You know? Television highlight of the year. Maybe. It's hard not to watch and be enthralled by it. I know some people get a bit allergic, but I I love like. I was so excited sitting there watching it and pausing it and making sure I could hear it all. I think even the way he picked his team that oh, yeah. you could just read his personality it was all about characters basically about people who would go to war with him. 
And, you know, that kind of approach, I think, just sums him up. And that's why I love well, it. Well, not allowing Dennis Bergkamp in on, on yeah, well, the basis bu- that he doesn't fly. Bullying yeah, Patrick, I know. Bullying Patrick Vieira brilliant. out of uh, Ashley Cole. And yeah, other, All right, Derville, brilliant stuff. Thanks so much, Maliki. Thank you and best of luck in 2013 to the two of you. And to the second captain. And thanks for yes. everything throughout the year as well, I should say. Uh, two more shows for you on Thursday, which will include our football review of the year. So we'll talk more about Roy Keane there, I would imagine, <laughs> with Richie Sadler and Dion Fanning. Uh, a little bit later on today, we're going to have second captains of football for you to look ahead to tomorrow's New Year's Eve fixtures. In the meantime, Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. What is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys.